The Right Time with Bomani Jones is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast, The Dominique Foxworth Show. Twice a week, Dominique brings you his unique perspective on sports, the personalities surrounding it, and just about anything else he finds interesting or thinks you might. So check out the Dominique Fosworth Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Not much, man. Happy to be back. Hey, man, we got a lot to talk about here. I'm in a tough position because as many people know, it is Foxworth Friday when you hear it. But it's just Thursday normally when we record it so that y'all can get this early. You know what I'm saying? We try to we try to get it to you piping hot in the morning. Um, but I was watching TV this morning, and I have to say, it's a little tricky because since we're recording this on Thursday, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen on Thursday night. Right. But I saw Dominique Fosworth willing to be the brave man to come out here and say that the Celtics are not a bunch of suckers, which is not really uh, a stance that many people are willing to take right now. And I thought you made a good point, right? And I'll just say it briefly because I don't want to, you know, say your stuff for you. But at various points, they have managed to come back and stick around and show a little something. You know what I mean? They have done a little bit of that. You right. But they sure have looked like a bunch of suckers, don't you think? I mean, I think that you can take a, a lot of people's worst moments, <laughs> their, their suckerish moments. I don't know. I think, honestly, more than anything is I sometimes become too much media and not enough not enough athlete. And I look around at the people who are calling these guys soft and saying that they are quitters and saying all this foolishness, and it bothers me. And... I also look at their resume and I know like I'm in this media thing. I know that we got to feed this content beast and I know after every game, we got to make all these broad proclamations. But when you get to start talking about these dudes is quitting and soft as if they aren't, as if they haven't shown that they couldn't come back, like what they did last season, they were amongst the worst teams in basketball. Then midway through, they didn't quit. They became the best damn team in basketball. Like, it's not like they haven't come through in game sevens. Last year, they won a game seven in Miami. That's hard. That is hard to do. So, yes, this is disappointing. Getting uh, Losing three games to the Heat is disappointing. And getting your ass beat in the third one, yeah, it's disappointing. Your body language going to be bad. I don't know if any of y'all ever had your ass beat, <laughs> but nobody has ever been smiling through it and had a great attitude so that's all i'm saying and then you pile it on with the fact that jason tatum's their number one player and he's 25 years old which he's been around for a while because he's had a lot of early success but we have to accept that Jokic is 28 
Like, that's when we see the peak of most players. I guess Giannis might have been a little bit early, but guys start to become something at 28. The problem is Jason Tatum been too good and been in these high-profile situations so often that we've already gotten to the point where we're like, hey, when he going to take this next step? The problem is he took the first step too soon, and y'all can't wait around for him to catch up for whatever emotional stuff that he needs to catch up to. Now, I will say this. I have not called them soft. Like, that's yeah. a step farther than I personally have been willing to go. I do think that they strike me, they, they strike me as being a tad unserious, right? <laughs> they, 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 they struggle with focus. Yeah. I think that because even that win in Game 7 in Miami, they tried everything they could to get that game away, right? And I think, I think it's fair to say about them, and who knows, by the time the people hear this, boy, might have won by 40 points they might have lost by 30 points it could really go either way in game five in dealing with these dudes um but for me what was striking really about game two against Miami was and I think you made this point also on television they're just too reliant on the three-point shot right but I think that for people of a certain age and I think I am of that age I see where people take that as soft as it's finesse, right? That's probably the best way to put it. It's a little finesse focus. And in game two, Jimmy in particular was like, I'm going to get real close to the basket and dare you to do (laughs) something about it. And the Celtics don't have anybody who does that. Like, I don't know if you guys heard Howard Bryant on here on Wednesday where he said Al Horford in game four took his first foul shot in two months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that to me is kind of the interesting thing about them is that, and maybe because so many of their guys that we trust are so young that there's a generational part of it that the, I'm going to get real close and do it to you like that. Don't register with them. And I think that six, nine Jason Tatum ought to give it a try. Yeah. I mean, you remember, I don't have to remind you. It took LeBron a while to accept yes. that you know what you're going to have to do is get real close. I'm betting it was after he was 28. Like these are these. Oh, hold on. We know the moment when he realized yeah. he had to figure it out is well, when he, he couldn't post up JJ Barea. Yeah, that that was it. So <laughs> and he didn't, and then he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to do this." So like, I guess that's that's more it than anything is the the over reliance on three. And you're right, they have Jason Tatum is kind of a finesse player. If you notice when he attacks the basket, they're always finger rolls. He don't. He did like that is his most aggressive stance. It is very finesse for a guy of his size, but he's an incredible player. And I think what I see is his disposition is not like growl at the camera guy. And I think that people, when you're losing, that looks real bad. And when you're a step back three point shooter, <laughs> when you're like, man, I got to get me one, I'm going to go to my move. When it's a step back and it's a three pointer, it ain't get to the basket and bang on somebody. I get it. People are going to walk away from that uh, feeling like maybe you are unserious, as you said. But I guess I just was watching and hearing it and just like, don't we get any credibility? Like, I'm with it. I'm with the media machine. We swing on each game. And I know that. But like, ain't that ain't what he's done worth anything? Oh, it is. he's gotten in the NBA finals and I think that you make a good point about age because it is easy to forget that it was 26 year old LeBron that flamed out 
in the 2011 finals, right? Mm -hmm. 27, 28 is the best version of LeBron James. And I think that what you're saying about Jason Tatum on that front is correct. What is interesting about Jason Tatum, and I think this applies to that whole roster, and I think this is the part that can feel a little strange in watching them. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to have anybody on that team that like how blood tastes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not even Marcus Smart, who's about to go hard. I think if Grant Williams was better, he would get to taste blood and he would enjoy it. <laughs> However, he simply is not uh, in a position to, to, yeah. to, to sample uh, that sweet hemoglobin. He just is not <laughs> – he ain't got enough game to get to that place. Like, for all I know, Luke Cornet or whatever his name is, he might be a killer – Right, he's a killer with no gat. He he, he has he has no means by which to do the killing. But Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, none of them dudes yeah. like that seem to just like dominating people. Or when that moment comes, it's just like the oh okay, I guess we got to do this. Like I I work in a completely different space, right? However, I think this example will matter. I've told this story before. I don't, somebody will make a blog post out of it this time because every time I tell it, somebody makes a blog post out of it. But, like, we get on TV and we do the back and forth. And you'll notice Dominique and I have disagreements about stuff, but we do it in a real peaceful sort of, well, you know, I was thinking this. Hey, I was thinking that. And not even, like, on no patronizing stuff, right? We just kind of having an easy back. We're not playing pepper. We playing catch, you know? Like, we just having a nice back and forth. And by and large, that's how I would like to do it. I was on TV with Skip Bayless earlier in my career. This is now about 13 years ago. And the first couple, three times I went on with him, I was trying to play catch. But that man don't want to play catch. He liked to play pepper. But, I'm, you know, I got a different outlook. It's not my show. I, I feel like it's kind of rude just to show up on somebody else's show and be trying to break them. But he did something one morning that annoyed me. And I decided, huh. All right, then, because I do have it in me. It's there. I try to keep it away because in my world, it doesn't take you very far. Mm -hmm. But I do have it. I, and, and by the way, when it's time to spank you, I do enjoy it. <laughs> Y'all follow me on Twitter. I like the taste of blood. I really, 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 really do, right? Some people, though, in this space, that's not what they're about. Like my man Dan. Dan Lepitar. Dan does not like the taste of blood. That's not, that's not what he's here for. And, you know, that's why being dead, we figured out how to do a TV show. But if we had a TV show facing each other, it'd have been a problem because my mouth would have been bloody. <laughs> I just had, I, I, it, it looked like some brave heart. Like there would have been no other way about it. It would have just been dead. At some point, he would have just stopped and started windmilling on me. <laughs> yeah, duh. Um, I have it in me also. and yes. But I do appreciate that. I think the, the, the first take thing, is always an interesting one. And I, I've mentioned this before is people forget when you're on first take, we on the same team. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And when you do first take with Stephen A, you learn that he understands that we are on the same team. It's us against the audience. Like we try <laughs> to keep you from changing the channel. Whereas there are a lot of people, and this was my inclination the first time I was with Stephen A, which is why he had to talk to me. My inclination was, I'm here for blood. I want to win. And while wanting to win is important to make the show entertaining, cutting people off and yelling and preemptively de defeating their points, that's 
they ain't entertaining. <laughs> like, I, I, you know what's entertaining? Having a conversation where I make a point, you make a point, we build on it, we grow to a point that we get, like, better information. That's not how First Take is built. So what's entertaining is there. I shoot a jab, you shoot a jab. You remember that Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather fight? Yeah. Floyd and Conor was on the same team. And Floyd was like, I'm going to give y'all some entertainment. I'm going to throw a punch. He going to throw a punch. I'm not just going to come out here and wallop this man in the first round, which I think uh, that would have been more entertaining than what they did. Yeah, that's fair. Fair point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. That is a great way to put it. you like, Stephen A., y'all try to run the, the full court press. Y'all putting the 40 minutes of hell on the people, <laughs> yes. right? We try to get you over there in that corner where you can't, you can't get rid of that remote. You can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't change that channel, right? That's you got log on defenders setting up over there in the corner but you're right every now and then is somebody who don't quite understand mm. that that's the game plan i don't want to name names but there's been a couple people that yeah. i went on there and was like all right you don't want to play the game that's fine we can we can end this seven minute segment after uh 60 seconds and we're just gonna look at each other i had a buddy who did one of them shows a long time ago Mm -hmm. He went on with, you know, one of the, like a, a fairly prominent person. And uh, I called him after I watched. And I said, hey, man, winning isn't necessarily winning yeah. in this space. It's not, it doesn't really doesn't really go that way. Just something to keep in mind. We do a high dude. I had to talk with uh, Eric and Pablo about that once. We were just kind of talking about like the the back and forth, like interspersing competition mm -hmm. into things. And I was like, I'm gonna be honest with you. That's gonna seem like a great idea until the monster come out. <laughs> I ain't about losing on television. What are you talking about? Like, I don't feel like a discussion necessarily has a winner or a loser. Yeah. But if this thing has a winner or a loser, <laughs> I might lose. That ain't, that ain't your I system. I can't let it happen. You are, you are an outstanding quarterback. <laughs> However, there's a certain system that you just can't run. <laughs> and that is one that, that is not going to work for you. Like, being wrong is good for business to a degree. Right. And mm -hmm. your willingness to admit that you're wrong in this space is good for business but i ain't looking forward to being wrong right y'all can't trust me if i do that y'all need to know that i believe this yeah that's that's important part too is like you can't as much as we as much as like i uh appreciate how Stephen a like his entertainment value or qualities there coming up with the take is harder than you think because your credibility lies with every take and you got to genuinely believe it. So like crafting a take that is interesting enough to get people's attention. So it has to be a little bit out there, but still within like something that you actually believe in a world where everybody taking all the time, it's hard to do yeah. it and to and do it every day for, and they remember for two everything, hours. And they remember everything you ever said <laughs> for two hours every day. You got to do that on every topic. It's hard to do, and then make faces and say funny words to keep people locked in. I, that's why I said it ain't me versus you; it's us versus them. <laughs> I'm gonna set you up. You can go ahead. I, I will let you. Our brother-in-law, you in practice. You can get this catch. Make sure you let me get a PBU and a couple periods. All right, all right. Oh, I ain't know about that. That's that's huh? that's. What? I make the team. You make the team. <laughs>
Y'all are basically racehorses agreeing, let's not break our legs. <laughs> basically, yeah. Like, we'll just go around 80% of this race, we chill out, last 20, let's ride. But yeah. it's the All Star game. Y'all doing the All Star game. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do that. We don't have that is one of the when I was doing CBA negotiation. That was one of the reasons why on day one, what we are going to do at the end of this is eliminate two a days. You can agree to that today. You can agree to that on the last day. But I will not walk out of this room (laughs) unless we have an agreement that there will never be another full pad to a day in the NFL because y'all trying to kill these people. It is a, a sorting, a sifting process that's completely unnecessary where we like, we're going to try to break you. What are we doing? That's not Ooh. what we're here for. Bruh, what's so crazy is I remember, um, so we moved to Texas when I, like right before I turned seven years old. And like the football craziness of rural Texas in particular is kind of hard to explain. And it's not even like, when people say that they think about it in like unhealthy terms and I'm not even really thinking about it in that way. When I say, I remember, I think it was either third or fourth grade. We were doing football in PE and them boys knew how to run plays. Yeah. Like we got in, it was a huddle and they're like, we're going to run a right sweep. I didn't know what a sweep was. What are you talking about? We're eight years old. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? But like, that's like, we know it. And so, as you get closer to high school and like the whole process of the going in and like scouting out the seventh and eighth graders and all of this. And then it comes time for high school and I wasn't playing high school football. Like I had, I had done the math on that in many ways that that was not going to be my bag. But I also looked up and this is, you know, Houston area, Texas. So you know what the summer hitting on mm. brush two a days. What? It's madness, man. It's madness. Like, I, what was happening? Something happened uh, in New Orleans during training camp, and I had to go down there as a representative of the Players Association. Um, and I remember getting off the plane right onto the tarmac, and the air was so thick. Like, it, you, had, you could feel it. And these boys, we went to meet with them between practices, and they were working like <sighs> – I'm not going to tell you what I thought of when I was in Louisiana. <laughs> That's not what I say, Louisiana. I'm in Louisiana, and it's just sweat glistening off their dark skin while they is working in this heat. And they like, go back in. We be back out for another practice later this afternoon. It's madness. And so, like, I get it. Well, it's the- too hot to even coach, let alone play. <laughs> It's so hot. It's so thick. It's, you know, I mean, I guess people who are down there are like accustomed to it. But for someone who comes from someplace that is not that humid and thick, it's weird to just sweat from being alive. Like the 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 exertion that it requires to keep your heart beating and your lungs breathing causes you to sweat because it's so damn hot out there. Like, <laughs> let alone walking. We ain't at walking, running. Like if you walk outside and stand there. You just start cooking. It's madness. Major League Baseball told the city of Houston, the only way you get in a team is a dome. Yeah. That's it. That's the they they were like, oh no, 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 no. In fact, when they were talking about giving the Saints a team, I was actually looking this up on the wiki a couple days ago. 
because of the rain as much as anything else. But the NFL was like, the only way that we're going to give you a team is if you build a dome. And in classic Louisiana fashion, the dome took way too long to build. Like, I think it was supposed to be done in 72 and start until 71. But they're just like, yo, we not doing this. And when I was a kid, I remember the Saints used to train in Wisconsin. Like, I would see these teams, and this is where the being from it, I didn't think about it part. Mm-hmm. I would see these teams that would go, like the Cowboys would go train in, like, California. And right. I'd be like, yo, why are you doing that? Like, why would you go all the way to Wisconsin for Louis? Oh, yeah, it's hot as hell down yeah. here. You can't get nothing done. You can't have full <laughs> speed practice all day get nothing done. And, like, from the, the reason why we had to, like, outlaw it is because from the coach's perspective, it's an arms race. It's like, if I'm not doing it, then somebody else doing it. My team is going to be as tough as their team. My team is going to be as, like, tried as the other team is. And so they take pride in the fact that, like, our practices are the hardest. So, like, it it was a a bad, bad situation where – and it's training camp is still like this to some degree, but it was much worse where it felt like it was a – you had to prove yourself every year. Like, you had to prove yourself to be tough enough. And my view was if we have made it, through college training camp, college football, you drafted us, you signed us. We've been through high school where it's two a days there too, especially if you're in Texas. Like, we tough. We tough. Now, from here on out, I need you to teach me how to play, what we're going to do to game plan. I don't need you to test my goddamn toughness every offseason. Every offseason. I got to come in here and, and prove to you that I'm not going to crumble when it's hot the f*** out of here. Oh, I'm still thinking about you getting down there in New Orleans. It's like you showed up at Angola. Like, <laughs> like, that's what it was. You got to, you got yep. to Angola. Yep. yep. I mean, for those who don't know, not Angola, the country. No, no, Ang- no. Angola, the uh, institution. Yeah, if I'm talking about Angola, the country, I sound like this. I say Angola. Mm-hmm. The, the, what we talk about, I say Angola. Like, you got to say Angola like the people who talk about Angola. Angola, if you have read or anything or watched anything about Angola, Angola is like this. How is this America? It ain't. ain't. Have you watched the farm? That old documentary It has got to be 20 something years ago about Angola. Uh my man Fred, I'm sure Fred listed, uh, my man Fred Baptiste. Fred, I think he said he went to Southern, and they did a field trip to Angola. I don't I don't know if I would want to do the field trip to Angola, but he did a field trip to Angola, and he said the thing about Angola is on one side, they got, like, all the bush and terrain and stuff like that. On the other side is the Mississippi River. So if you try to escape, you either got to go through the wilderness or you got to try to go to the Mississippi River. And he said hilariously that whoever did the tour let them know that for some reason the African-Americans disproportionately get ate up by the snakes rather <laughs> than try the river. <laughs> yeah, and I, that, mo- that documentary was like put a positive spin on Angola, if I remember correctly. I've, I've read, I mean... Yeah. It, it was positive. not as negative as it could yeah. have been. Yeah, yeah. If you read about it, it's, man, it's, yeah. I, I've had some friends, some teammates who've gone down there and uh, to, to look, to look, not, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not to yeah. stay. Oh, oh no, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. They ain't going to stay. Like, uh, that's... But yeah, they, they always come back with a rosier view because like they present it in such a way when you show, when you show up. But 
Yeah, you read the, the stories about what's happening in that place. It it do not feel like America. Eric Gold, Eric Neville had a song called Eric Gola Bound about some dude that was going to uh, go to Angola. And I feel like it's a lot I remember. The man say walk and the boss say run. If I had my pistol with do now what? They always okay. talk about dangerous rules. If I had my shank, I'd be dangerous too. Go look. Yeah, you guys go look up Angola State Penitentiary. And yes, they call it Angola because yeah. they, I believe they had a large number of, uh, shall we say, uh, imports to Louisiana. <laughs> That came from the land of Angola. But yeah. nah, Angola, and that, that scene in the farm, I don't know how we wound up at Angola, but that scene in the farm about Angola, the, the dude comes in and he's got a parole hearing, and he lays out a very compelling case that he was wrongfully convicted. Like, by the time he gets done, there is no doubt this man did not kill these people. He'd been a model citizen in Angola, everything else. He made his case. He walked out. They shut the door. They ain't even wait. He could probably still hear them. They were like, up oh, denied. They all, they're workers. all lying. They all say they didn't do it. Need them workers yes. <laughs> down there in Angola. That's... They got a golf course on. They got a golf course on site on Angola because the thing is, they need to like make it decent for all the wardens and the locals. Yeah. And so on the grounds of the penitentiary, all kinds of accommodations. You imagine that? Them boys back there busting rocks. You out here playing putt putt. <laughs> I know how we got here. Being in Louisiana yes. and and showing up at the Saints training camp yes. and, and understanding that this ain't right. So if that ain't right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's stay on the, the heading of joyous topics around the South. And what did you think about your man, Demetrius Morant, um, making yeah. the cryptic Instagram post? Yeah. Everybody knows that social media is public and you are trying to, it's a lot like when coaches talk to the media 
you're 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 sending a message to people like you don't put something out there. I know some people maybe I, I guess I can't speak for everybody. and Maybe I'm a little too old to understand, but it does not feel like to me social media is a place that you are going where you want to deal with something privately. And like um, where Kyrie Irving is is doing Instagram lives saying, stop talking about me. Like, <laughs> come on. That is you want to be talked about. And oh, Jab- right fast. Yeah. That dude. Yeah, we the reasons people asking where you going to sign in free agency. Nobody would ever ask you that on their own. No, 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 no. Nobody that knows you would be wondering how things are going at your job and where you talking about going to work next. No, we did that to you. That's to me. That's like if somebody get on Instagram and start crying about they broke up with their, their significant other. You are on here for attention, which is fine, but let's understand that. And in a less like judgmental way, I think the same could be said for John Morant. Like he, it's a, it's a, it's a cry, a cry for something. Like he's not dumb. He knows what that post is going to elicit in people. And I hope that all I can do is hope that he gets the support that he needs and figure out what's going on. But I, I can be assured that he's in a, a bad place emotionally considering what's happening around him right now. But that's what it seems like to me more than anything. What did you see? I thought that anyone who thinks that what he posted was benign is naive. Yeah. That was terrifying. Mm-hmm. That was incredibly worrisome. That was not a small deal. Right. And you know, my basis on this has always been, Hey man, is this dude Okay. Or whatever it is, right? But when he put that out there, and then the best answer they could come up with was, oh, he's just going to take a social media break. That doesn't make any sense. Like, you could put something up saying you're taking a break. You don't take a social media break by saying goodbye to the people that you care about the most, right? So I think it's not, I I, I can't say what he was or was not doing, but I can say that it is naive to assume that this is nothing. I would be very, very, like if I was, someone who actually knew him but wasn't really in touch with him so I couldn't reach out, you know, it wouldn't be the best for me to reach out, I would be very scared if I saw that. I would also say this. It hit me in a very personal way. And I will say this because I think there are lots of people who are listening to this who have a tendency to put things out in the public space that can be cryptic in these ways because they do, in fact, want the attention. Um, one of my very favorite listeners when I worked in North Carolina, see, when I worked in North Carolina and I was doing local radio, like, it was small enough that I could hang out with people. Like, you know, we got, he would call the show all the time. He invited me to come out um, out there in the middle of nowhere where he lived to go play golf, you know, and so I would go out there and play golf with him. And he had told me that he was kind of going through a little something, and I, I was supposed to reach out and hadn't, you know, like one of those things. So one day... I get a um, text from him that says, all right, just want to say goodbye. And I knew he and his wife was splitting. And so I thought he was like leaving town. And I was like, well, hey, man, thank you for everything, da, da, da. And then three minutes later, I'm like, wait a minute. When you say go, what kind of go you talking about? And he said, go. And I like went into a panic and get the phone and try to call. He wasn't picking up. I go on Facebook and it's all these cryptic messages like 
shame you got to buy a whole box of bullets if you're only going to use one like all of this and i don't have no line like to his wife or anybody like that i don't have none of that and so he kept posting on facebook for like another day like a good solid 24 hours at least between when he reached out to me and i'm trying to call and i don't like i have no idea i don't know how you're supposed to handle something like this like i don't know how you do the welfare check i have no idea where he is you know i don't have any of these things um i guess maybe it was about a week later his wife posted on his facebook page that he had in fact died by suicide um after that it happened and i remember on my end and i think that this is selfish to a degree but i really resented the idea that you made me think i had a chance to do something about this you know like it, it really it was very tough for me to forgive the idea that like you put me in this place and now and i can't do anything you know there's all the things that came from it and it was the waiting a day and look, I don't know what it takes for you to do that, right? Like, I can understand the scare, how it could be scary. I can understand the fear that could come from it or anything else. Like, I could get that. But um, I guess I bring that story up and just for people who are listening to understand, hey, man, don't play with people, right? So with Ja, and I think I have offered a, like, real level of sympathy toward him and all of this and empathy and everything that I can and all that, don't play with people like that. Like, if you want the attention or you need the help, you got to find a way to use your words and ask people for that help. You just have to. And if you are a person who is listening and is in a very similar situation or has felt that way or like use these tools in order to do those things, you do a real damage to the people who are around you. And so I'm not saying this to chastise that young man, because obviously he got things that he needs to deal with and that he needs to figure out. But that thing went up and there was no way, I think, for people with lived and learned experience to look at that other than I think this boy is talking about killing himself. You know, and so yeah. it's not and I'm not I don't I want to be clear. I'm not saying if you go do it, then just do it. Then I'm not saying that, but I am saying that please for you got to be in a real bad place to do something like that to be crying for help in that way but if you ain't in that place and what you just need is some attention please go about it through conventional means because that is rough for everybody yeah and I, I think that that is their way uh of and I think it's probably irresponsible to talk about Ja specifically because we don't know yeah. him specifically. But I do think when people do stuff like that, whether it be text a friend or post something on social media or call someone, when I said that I think they're looking for attention, I mean that genuinely, not in the like pejorative way right. of like, oh, you're just trying to get attention. Sometimes it is like that. When it's Kyrie, whatever, it's like, all right, man, you just want somebody to look at you. But also people who feel like they need help or need this attention. I think that's the way that they're going about it. So like finding a, that is their way, like to find a yeah. way to call for help. That is their way. And like, obviously, I can't speak directly to the experience that you had. It's awful. And I'm sure that's a pain and a thought that never goes away that you probably think about routinely. And my guess is he'd been dealing with this for a while, like these thoughts and 
he was putting out those cries for help and whatever happened, whatever help he got, it didn't, it wasn't just to you. It was like on social media, whatever, whatever help he got, or if he got any help, it didn't change his outlook, but it is incredibly heavy burden to leave somebody with, to say like, to imply that they could have done something. And then there's nothing left that they can do. Yeah. And that's the thing a dude like uh, people who do those things like that, they don't mean no harm. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a full-on recognition that they are in a really, really, really bad place. And that's the thing with him that I hope in terms of the way that we view this, like, as media people, this is not just about this boy being stupid. He's done stupid things. It seems very clear to me at this point. Like, somebody, thank you to whoever did the welfare check, Right. Like mm-hmm. somebody thought that it was worth it. To, and nobody, it wasn't like that story came out about the welfare check and people were like, man, they tripping. It was like, oh boy, whoo, you know, glad, glad somebody looked into that one, you know, and who knows who it was. Like somebody actually asked a very good question in this. And it's like, like, who do you have to be to make a welfare check? Because for all I know, it could have been somebody who follows him on Instagram mm-hmm. and it'd been like, hey, y'all might want to go check this out. And because... Something tells me that the folks in Memphis know how to get to Jaw House. I could be wrong, right? Yeah. But I feel like you could just tell yeah. them, go look at what's all there, and they'll figure out what the address is mm-hmm. that they need to reach and that they need to get to. But it made me really, like I said, it hit me in my own personal place, and I copped to that, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I talk all the time about don't make this about yourself, but I do know, I do know what the consequences can be of something like that that the person who's in that moment can't see and I don't think it's wrong for people on the other end to have a, hey, man, don't play with me like that. Yeah, be, you know, just be like, we get where you're coming from, but we, we got, you got to find a different way. And I feel so bad for him, really, with everything that we've seen and all the stuff and the learning, breathing exercises and everybody else. It doesn't seem like it's gotten any closer to being at a place where he feels like he's got places to go to deal with that. And instead, he needed to come to us. A bunch of strangers. Yeah, that's the wild thing, man. It's it, it feels like maybe it's it, it's certainly a stretch for me to. I won't even go there. I'll just say that the commodification, I guess, of athletes, and we talk about them as assets, and we talk about them as like owning, being owned on a team. Like I saw that, even though I'm not up close. Like, I saw that in the way that we all reacted to Ja. So, like, when Ja was having these stories come out about him um, doing dumb stuff, like fighting with the 16-year-old, going to the mall, the mess, like, all of us were like, come on, get it together. And then I remember coming on here when he when he was waving the gun on Instagram the first time, and that's when I stopped with the come on, get it together. That's when I was like, oh, this is a problem. This is, like, this... It's so irrational. It's such a cry for help. It's like, I'm already in hot water. I'm just going to do something that I know is going to make things worse for me. That is such a cry for help. And the response from us, uh, as in the media, and also like the people around him is, let's not fuck up this bag. 
Let's go do whatever fake therapy that we're going to do. Let's go do the apology. Let's let's go get Jalen Rose to talk to us so that I can re-enter this, so that we can run these commercials, so that we can sell these shoes, so that we can sell out these playoff tickets. It was almost like he was a machine with no feelings or nothing, like he was an asset, a piece of capital that they just wanted to get it fixed and get it working again. We're just going to rig this so that it can produce our widgets so that we can keep making money. After he did something that so clearly was like, I'm a human being. Somebody pay attention to me. Somebody help me. And then he did it again. And I don't know how. And then he did the IG post. I don't know what's happening around him, but basketball. We done with that. We are done with that. You've made enough money to be fine, but forget the money. We are done. Whatever has happened until we figure out what is wrong and we figure out if we can address this consistently. Basketball. Yo, and the money part is interesting. Did you have you read anything about Fetty Wap getting busted for dealing the dope? I saw the high, the um, headline. I didn't read it. Yeah. So I, for some reason, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have an answer for why. Um, but and look. Is, this could be a cockamamie story here, but it seemed to ring a bit true. So he got caught flipping some birds uh, during the pandemic. And what he said was, and I mean, I don't find this terribly implausible, that the tour money dried up when the world shut down and he had people counting on him and he had to go out there and get that money. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he had to go out there and get that money for himself also, but I could totally see somebody in such a situation, being like, I told everybody I was going to take care of them forever. Because he was like the dude buying like a Maybach for his best friend and all of that stuff. You know, I can totally believe like once you start paying for all these people's stuff and they ain't got no jobs, you the bank, you the job. They can't they can't pay the note on none of that stuff that you giving them. They could even if they went out and got jobs tomorrow, they couldn't do that. Right. And so. John Moran has made something close to like $40, $50 million as an NBA player. You don't need to make no more money for you. But if you got all these other people, ain't no stopping. In companies. <laughs> it's not just people. It's business. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the Grizzly um, and Nike. Like I, I know these that these companies will be fine without like they're not going to collapse. But they're putting pressure on him, too. And the point that you made about Fetty Wap, just <laughs> saying that just is makes me <laughs> laugh. But it sounds crazy for someone to say, I'm going to go back into selling drugs. That sounds crazy because it sounds dangerous and risky. I don't know Ja personally, but the behaviors that he's been exhibiting while he's playing professional basketball feels like it's dangerous to his health yes so as crazy as this parallel sounds it almost feels like by putting himself back under the spotlight by ever attempting to be nike's front man again by trying to challenge the western conference on his back with the with his team like and also being in that city i don't know what the the triggers for all of this but i do know that they need to figure it out and address it and should not be concerned about how long a suspension is going to be or anything like that or how soon he can get back on the court. 
Like there's something, there's something that needs to be addressed because this behavior is just, just so self-destructive that it's concerning. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My daddy always says something, and it's the most important lesson I think that he has imparted into me, which is, People like that don't want to be like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just, just constant screw ups. They don't really want to do that. My brother also makes a point. He made this many years ago. But like, if you have good judgment, you are lucky. Some people just don't. <laughs> it's not really something that they can fix. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's an innate sort of thing, that whole judgment situation. Some people, can you imagine if you are a person with good judgment? What, what your life would be like if you just couldn't make good decisions. We've been telling people, you got to make be- better decisions. And people are like, yo, I'm trying to make better decisions. That's like, yo, you got to hit that shot. What you think I was trying to do? You think I was trying to shoot an air ball? <laughs> I realize how the, the older I get, the like dumber I realize I was. I've come to accept uh, like emotionally dumb and and thinking that and not even applying your own uh mishaps to other people but like the point about consistently making good decisions and saying that they don't want to be like that like i have family members and friends obviously that i've been frustrated with for not being able to consistently make good decisions and you get to a point where you either take these people out of your life or you like that's 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 who he is that's who this person is it's something we need to figure out to work around and try to help them in some way but I don't know how to get people to understand it other than for me, it helps to think about the things that I have vices, like where I, where are my vices are. And for a lot of people, it's food or something like that, where like, you know what the right decision is, but something going to make you make the wrong one continuously. And I can't imagine having those impulses around in areas that are uh, a lot more consequential, but I do know like, having a girlfriend in college real hard for me to make consistently good decisions. And I, and like, if anybody would have, would have seen some of the things that I was doing and saying, like, what you doing? You going to ruin it. And I knew I was going to ruin it, but damn, God damn, I had to do what I had to do. And I can't imagine feeling like that about like real stupid stuff. Yeah. Like, like I think the way to make the point is like quarterbacks. <laughs> them dudes know where they supposed to throw the ball right you get them up on the whiteboard and you yeah. tell them it's a cover six and we running this they know what they supposed to do but something happened and the bullets get to fly it and <laughs> boom next thing you know it, it look, it, as time goes on some guys make better decisions but some people are just panickers and you know like Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins went from throwing like two touch, two interceptions every other week right to becoming a guy who didn't really do that he figured out how to calm it down let the game come to him a little bit more he's got a lot of mnemonic devices he uses to make quick decisions before the play actually starts but when when the real decision time come and it's third and 19 or fourth and 19 
Here's Kirk Cousins throwing the ball to the fullback. And not like Josh Allen threw that ball to that fullback. At least that dude was 40 yards down the field. Nope. Kirk Cousins throwing to a dude that's close enough for him to be like, hey, catch. And, and then he catches the ball. You know what I mean? Just But some people just don't make good decisions for whatever the reasons happen to be. And I'm not the best decision maker in the world, but I'm glad I'm better than them cats. Yeah. You know, I think everyone needs a Justin Jefferson in their life. Yes. When, when you are confused about the decision that you should be making right now, throw that thing at JJ. That, that's all you got to do. Whatever situation you are in, throw that thing to JJ because chances are things are going to work out. But you know what you know what throwing it to JJ is in a lot of cases? Well, Calling your parents. <laughs> that's fair. Right. Yeah, and, see, and, 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 and for Javarrett. <laughs> right. And see, and I don't know. I don't I want to be fair. I don't know how the get down is with his dad, but I know his mama, the one that told him to come to Foot Locker, right? Mm-hmm. Like like his his check down is 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 not necessarily sure-handed it's not there it'll be like, running the right routes <laughs> yeah like that time that people almost got me on a timeshare and i was like you know what i'm gonna call my mama yep. and i called my mama and she was like yeah because she knows you gotta you gotta be a little delicate with me and you mm-hmm. know let me feel like i came up with it myself she's like yeah i don't i don't think that's a decision that you should make and then i went in there and that man had my then girlfriend looking at cruise paperwork. And I was like, hell no, nah, we ain't doing this. <laughs> like, I, now I know you trying to play me. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not doing that. But hey, man, shoot. Jock, Jock called his people. Hey, you think I should do this timeshare? Oh, man, I love the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, his mom called him to come to the mall and fight with the, the finish line people over some sketches. And his, his dad is trying to go chest to chest with Shannon Sharp. At basketball games That's that he's right. playing in. So By like, the way, it, nothing says bad decisions than going chest to chest with that guy. <laughs> Shannon <laughs> might be the last man on earth I want to fight. I ain't never seen nobody ever look that scary in a cardigan. And a cardigan. And he from one of them plates. Yeah. The man grew up without indoor plumbing. Mm-hmm. I assure you, they fought to pass time. To pass time. We're not doing anything else. Who wants to fight? If the moment comes that Shannon Sharp has decided he wants to fight you, because he know he can't just be out here fighting because people would die. You know? So if you get him to the point where he's decided he's going to fight you, it's him knowing full well he might kill you. And Jai Daddy. (laughs) Be crazy. And those are the type of people that they was like, hey, you got to go through two days to see if you tough enough. (laughs) Yeah, I think Shady Sharp is good on the two days. <laughs> he can he can handle your Angola heat, and I'm pretty Ooh. sure he can handle John Morant's daddy or anybody else who wants a problem with Shady Sharp. Nope, and I I like when you think the last time was somebody walked up to Shady Sharp and was like, "Yo, we can take it outside." I I mean, Shady's been rich for a long time, so I hope that he is not going anywhere where people would think that that was a good idea. Like when you are fighting the past time, there are certain other places where people are looking for a problem. And and if Shannon Sharp is that problem, then it's a, a better problem to have 
than just a regular normal problem. But I don't think I think Shannon is making good enough decisions and making good enough money to not end up in places where uh, people might try him. But basketball game, man, that would have been bad. I mean, like, but I imagine like young NFL Shannon, because there's always some dumbass that want to try y'all. Like, that's yeah. the thing. I, one thing we've learned, if you hear the story about the football players getting into a fight at the bar, the one thing you can probably rest assured of is they didn't start it. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit about when I was uh, a few weeks ago when I was talking about, like, there was somewhere for me to, like, let out all of this, like, masculine aggression energy. Like, again, we did it all day. We ain't at the bar looking to prove how man we are. We're not in the streets looking to whoop somebody. Like most of the time, we are looking for <laughs> some, some companionship. That's what we out for companionship. And we don't even see you. <laughs> yeah. We don't even see you. We don't, we don't even notice that there are people in the bar that we're not attracted to. But somebody might be a little jealous or something. And then, but if you hit the switch, yeah, we like to taste the blood. Man, again, it don't take y'all long. It don't. It's we train like, for that. Like yeah. the the whole concept of football is the is the ability to go from crazy to not crazy, and from play to play. It's like be a maniac for four seconds. All right, thirty second break. Maniac for four <laughs> seconds. All right, thirty second break. So yeah, we we are well trained at going from zero to I want to kill a mother. Well, well trained to that. Dog, this make me wish I had learned karate, man. <laughs> Like, I, it's got to feel great. Like I told you, my whole boy Jabal. Jabal, one of my favorite people in the world. I t- I've talked about this all the time. Jabal and his band of friends in college, you would think they was a bunch of dorks, man. They all knew all kinds of kung fu, was doing the Navy SEAL workout and everything else. Jabal take them thick-ass glasses off and whoop your ass. And he got a real quiet confidence about him yeah. that once you find out that he got like eight, nine belts, you like, oh, oh okay, man. that's you the story. But I threatened. feel like with this reach I got, boy, if I knew some of that kung fu. <laughs> in fact, you think they let me go take kung fu classes with the kids? I mean, you in New York City. I'm sure they got adult kung fu. Man, I'm afraid, to- I'm afraid of that adult kung fu. Yeah. Like, like, like the kung fu in Harlem, I feel like might be a little bit too serious. But those of y'all <laughs> who aren't old enough to recognize, black people got real into the Bruce Lee kung fu mm-hmm. like whole situation. Like that Dragonfly Jones character on Martin is probably based on a true story. You know, like now, I'm like, I ain't trying to really get hit in the face, but if I learned that kung fu as a kid. Let man, me tell you. I went to uh, when I was in college, um, my college girlfriend, one of her friends front of her back home friends had a pool party. And so I went with her and like I, I never was anywhere where there weren't other football players. But this was far enough away that there was it was just me there. And then just a bunch of regular mothers that were in their in their early 20s. And they started throwing people in the pool and I ain't know nobody there and they ain't know me. So I'm just chilling, minding my business. They start tossing people in the pool. And, you know, it's guys like trying to to like assert their dominance, like get some attention. Like, yeah, we gonna throw people in the pool. And they like throwing guys into the pool. They got to me eventually. And I was 175. I'm not a big guy. And these guys like bigger dudes, some of them regular sized dudes. But they thought they was going to be able to take care of business. At this point, I was a junior in college. I've been in the weight program for three years. I threw all them motherfuckers in the pool one by one all <laughs> it was probably four or five guys come over try to grab me laugh ha ha we gonna get you we gonna get you we gonna get you all right 
Get my hands right up under the those. We know techniques too. Hands Kung right Fu. up under them armpits, tossing them, toss them in the pool. <laughs> Embarrassed everybody. And yeah, that was probably bad. That was, that was Dominique knowing Kung Fu. They yeah, didn't know that was you, it. The DBs has got to be sneaky, man. Y'all look like regular people till the shirts come off. Yep. And then I, yeah, that was talked about the bad decisions I was making. Then I made a bunch of friends there of the female persuasion. <laughs> oh, yeah. You the, you the king now. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me tell you something. If you can, if you can win a fight and stay at the party, mm. yep, you can't lose. <laughs> like, like, exactly like, chances are you should probably go home, right? Yeah, they they all should have went home. Like, they should go home. There was nothing to be gained from that. It was probably four or five guys, just regular sized dudes, getting tossed around by one little skinny dude. Now, but see, them staying was cool because if they had left, I mean. That raises a whole new set of concerns. <laughs> that's that's fair. That is absolutely fair. Like, nah, it's if cool. It's left, cool. It's left. cool. I'm gonna holler at y'all. It's no, 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 no. Don't worry. Don't worry, man. Don't worry, man. No, no, no. It's cool, man. It's cool, man. I'm, I'm just. Oh, we all gotta go now. When, oh, when the dude is a little too happy to leave. <laughs> <laughs> that, that first time coming back after, so like I I, I went in early the second half of my mm -hmm. senior in high school. I went to start lifting and practicing with the team and taking classes. So then I came back for graduation in summer and some of my friends wanted to, to like, you ain't do that. You ain't lifted that much. I was like, hey, I gained 15 pounds in three months. So they tried to start messing around wrestling. Yeah, I thought I was going to have to hide a body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I put my man in a little, uh, like a little chokehold. Like we wrestled whatever little chokehold and I didn't realize that you can, like stop the blood to their brain. I was just thinking like you can like as long as I don't choke him for long enough, he's not going to die. So it's like two, three seconds where I got it get on his neck. My man went limp on me in the basement. I was trying to figure out how we was going to get rid of him. Me and my my homeboys like, look, man, we we got to figure this out. But he, he woke up. So, yeah, I so yeah, I don't I don't play fight anymore. That was the end of my play fighting career. Only real fights that. <laughs> Dominique Fosberg. I'm sorry, Kevin. Check him out on Get Up. Check him out on Escape. Check him out on First Take, Debatable, and of course on the Dominique Fosberg Show, available wherever you get your podcast. I appreciate you, man. He's still breathing right now to this day. Kevin's still going. <laughs> now, look, this is normally where we tell you uh, that we're asking for voicemails, but we don't have a show on Monday because it's Memorial Day. However, your voicemails, which we always enjoy, are brought to you by YouTube TV. Try it free today at YouTube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel any time. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Adi Khan, Dan Stancic, and Parker Owens handle everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones. Dominique, we got one more thing that we have approached the third anniversary um, of the death of George Floyd. The murder of George Floyd, I guess, is the way that we put it. You got to make sure you use proper terms these days to uh, state the gravity of what the situation was. Don't you remember that month when people cared?
Man, what a wonderful month. What a wonderful time it was. Yo, because we was riding it out in the time. We're like, yo, I don't know how long these white folks going to listen to us, but I'm going to talk while they do. (laughs) I remember, man. It was fun. I I was loose tongue saying exactly what I was thinking and feeling. And I knew it was going to end. That was the rough part. It was like, man, how much longer is this going to last? How much longer are they going to care? And I guess the result of all of that could call into question how much anyone actually ever cared. But <clears throat> I, I mean, I guess to, to be positive on it, progress is progress and it's not linear and all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. No, but what I think is important is that people got to realize that the stuff that got started, then you have to keep on leaning on people right. to make it happen. And there are organizations, the NFL, for example, yeah. that have continued to go hard on those things. I think there are also probably a lot of these organizations that, are doing a lot of that stuff but just didn't tell anybody. It's also probably a lot of people that did. Like, remember when the Dolphins were going to get that Blue Ribbon Committee about bullying going, and I'll let you know when they actually had a first meeting, yeah. right? Like, I, I, think, I think that there was a measure on that. But I do think what I wonder about with Floyd is, because the question has always been, was it a movement or a moment? And I think it's become pretty clear by now that it was a moment. But I think that maybe the way we look at it is as a moment that was the peak of a movement that really started in 2012 with Trayvon Martin and just kind of went and built and built. And then that became the flashpoint. Like suddenly this was the time that everybody could get it. But then after that, it feels very like we're kind of in the seventies now, right? Like everything got so hot by the end of the sixties, people just didn't have the energy no more. Or like me and Spencer in a much simpler example, talk about how the British went from doing punk in the late 70s and then all those same people were like, nah, man, we just want to dance. And, you know, and then, yeah. and then, you, and then you start getting the, the, like, the new wave and all that stuff start coming out. And maybe that's kind of what it, you know, what it was. But man, that was a, if it was a moment, it was a moment. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's uh, the, the movement is uh, exhausting. And like, I'm not, I wouldn't even consider myself like in, it as like a leader or anything so i can only imagine what it is but like I, what i felt like and that was the closest thing we had to like a 60s era civil rights like moment and what it helped me realize is that it feels like to me we are playing red light green light on a treadmill whereas like green light something bad enough happened that we're gonna try to change things and i am frantically like everything you can possibly point to, everything you can grab, everything you can draw people's attention to, you're like, man, this is our time. This is it. We have to get something done. We have to get all as much progress as possible. Don't look up. Run, 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 run. Red light. And then we look up. It's like, oh, whew, I don't know if we better off, but we did as much as we could and just kind of keep fighting until the next opportunity. And, and there's always a backlash. That's the treadmill. It's like right. there's always a response to uh, any sort of progress that just – is sometimes depends on the day you talk to me, but generally it's kind of like frustrating and demoralizing. You know, we got another group chat that gets into this stuff and I be coming there for inspiration and and YouTube be giving it to me. Yeah. I tell you the point that I make on this, and I think this is important and maybe the ultimate message that we can leave people with about this. If you ever had to be diligent, you always have to be diligent. If it ever took that level of attention to get something going, you're going to have to keep up that level of attention in order to maintain it. Like, you can't look look at the Voting Rights Act, big dog. Look at just about everywhere else you go. Anytime you like, oh, we got this. Nope. Uh, ask the people who fought on Roe versus Wade. No matter what side of the aisle that you on, the point is they got what they wanted 
and then it reached a point where people thought, nah, this is settled. I know. Nope, nope, nope. That's not how it works. I know we want to end, um, but this is this is from our group chat. The last time I was frustrated, I hit the group chat. What I was saying is it just always feels like once we have figured out how to get closer to equality in one paradigm, they've already moved it to something else. So, like, yes. if you think about through history, it's like, all right, well, we're going to attack them in real estate once we start giving them uh, rights. And it just always feels like the the game changes once we get the rules to this game to at least fair, like not even compensate for disadvantages. Like the rules are fair in this game. Then we look up, it's like, oh, y'all over there playing this game. And it's mm -hmm. just like, I don't know. Yo, and it's, we didn't, it's we didn't get here by accident. Yeah. Is exactly. the moral of the story, right? We didn't get to where yeah. these things were by accident. And so it's like, okay, you can't do that. I might not be able to do that thing. Mm -hmm. But that, oh, I'm going to do that, right? Like everybody always trying to find another way around, you know, the rules say da-da-da, whatever. But we had to put this stuff in place because there's been a demonstration of what a significant portion of the population wants. It's there. And so if you go try to push it back, Unfortunately, you're going to be pushing for your entire life and people get tired. And that's a discouraging thing to me is because there are no amount of laws or rules or changes uh, that will make up for the fact that there are people with power that are determined to protect that power. They inevitably are going to have more information and more understanding of where the power is going to. And they are going to instinctively position themselves in a way to keep that power. It's something that happens everywhere, but it's not as overt because race is such an obvious distinction. So like, that's why you see wealthy people have wealthy kids who start companies and run companies like that tends to be the case because they have all the access to all the advantages. So no matter what rules you change, no matter if you get affirmative action, which may not even be around or, uh, now or, or later or not, but no matter what you do, that's the, the most demoralizing thing to me is it feels like at some point, the people with the most power have to genuinely believe the stuff that we say about fairness or equity, or we get to a point where there is a full on revolution. And then that gets out of race and that starts to talk about class. And it seems honestly like race out of this class specifically, it seems more likely that we would head to something like that as the, the wealth of disparity gets wider and wider seems more likely that we head to something like that than we would head to this utopian society where everyone has uh, a real chance at the American dream.